Today's pod is brought to you by Waterfront Comics, located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So if you're looking for a gift for an avid comic book reader or a collectible for a friend, come to Waterfront Comics. John is the guy to see. And if you can't come in person, no worries. Waterfront Comics does ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. Today's pod is also brought to you by Chosen One, a lifestyle brand of the nerd and famous, promoting academic hustle, street culture, and the geek life. Inspired by pop with a dash of retro goodness, Chosen One evolves with the future with a mission to provide a positive and empowering brand that flips the script for nerd kind. Check out their website at www.thechosenone.com. That's one with a W. To see their plethora of merchandise, including hoodies, shirts, hats, and more. Available in men's, women's, and kids' sizes. Chosen One, the future of nerd kind. Hey, everybody. This is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Pals podcast, podcast number 44. Today, we're going to be going over what we've been watching. We are going to be talking about the movies, kind of, I guess... For the Oscar losers, I guess the the, the quote unquote punishment movies for the losers. The ongoing. I mean, this is our last mention of Oscars for this year, so don't worry, guys. And then after that, we're going to be reviewing the new horror film by Jordan Peele, Us. So let's get to what we've been watching. Hey, what you watching? So, Marco, what have you been watching? Nothing. Oh. Not a damn thing. So on to James. Sounds like a productive week. I'm just kidding. Awesome. No, oh, I, oh, I, I actually <laughs> have been on a pseudo Marvel binge in a way. Uh, one of these titles is actually a movie that James let me borrow many, many weeks ago. And I weeks? finally. Is it yeah. weeks? You sure it's not like months or maybe Probably years? months. Yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to make myself <laughs> not look as shitty as I look right now. But. Yeah, I uh, finally got to watch Daredevil. No, not the Netflix one, but the Ben Affleck movie that came out back in 2003. Marco, that's, that's the one I always think of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the original Daredevil. Yeah, I'm like, yeah the, the original. So this one came out in 2013. It was directed by Mark Steven Johnson, who also did Ghost Rider, the Nick Cage one. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. uh, So it's a classic. Strangely enough, he did the Grumpy Old Men movies. If also anybody classics. has seen those, no yeah, wonder those the comedy in Daredevil is so fucking good. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. It's <laughs> pure choice. Uh, it stars Ben Affleck as Matt Murdock, Daredevil, Jennifer Garner as Electra Nachos, My- the late Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin or Wilson Fisk, and Colin Farrell as uh, Motorcycle Surfing Bullseye. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. He's, um... He has a target on his head. That's yeah. why his name is Bullseye. Yeah, hey, and he hey. says it a couple times. He never he never misses. Never. Never. I thought it was okay. This was, by the way, the rated R version, not the theatrical release, which is why I, I gave it a shot. And yeah, it was it was okay. It was tolerable, but not, not great. Tolerable. It that's was a, that's I mean, a review it's you want to hear. Too, man. I'll it's tell crazy. you this. I I bring up this example many many times but and i now know how it feels like when i tell people to watch the rated r version of bvs instead of the theatrical one and they look at me all crazy-eyed and i keep trying to push it on them and tell them to watch it and this is kind of like how it must feel to them not as underwhelming but not anything of significant difference either so to those people who i've told that to don't bother 
please just don't <laughs> i give up but i i appreciate i'll tell you the good i appreciated the frank miller storylines that they borrowed in in yeah. this movie in fact a lot there's a lot of similarities in that with this and the netflix tv show which is something that i really appreciated so i never noticed that when i was watching this as a young lad actually i wasn't even that young i was in fucking college when this came out was it 2003 i'd graduated high school yeah i'm old we've already established this <laughs> but um I, I i guess affleck is pretty good as well i don't guess he's pretty good as matt murdoch he does you know a really what? decent job strangely enough he kind of plays um he does okay as superhero kind of guy. Yeah. You know yeah, I mean, he's fine. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. The backstory, again, it, it's the Frank Miller backstory pretty much. So it, it it's very kind of, it runs parallel to the Netflix TV version. So I think that kind of helped me appreciate this even more. Um, John Favreau as Foggy Nelson, I think was a really nice touch too. And of course, five years later, he'd go on to direct Iron Man and relaunch the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Electra has her moments, but her lines are just fucking horrible. I just, I mean, the, the dialogue man, is just so bad. I don't think Jennifer Garner can act too well. I, I've never yeah. really been a big fan of her, but especially in that film, she's no good. My, Michael Clark Duncan does well as Kingpin, um, but the villain motivation, there is none. I really can't tell you what the bad guys want in this. Yeah. There's no clear-cut objective in this or motivation so i bullseye is just kind of thrown in there as a, a souped up henchman or hitman um there's really no depth to him so i can't really tell you much about that it's a lot gorier than what i remember because it's the rated r version right, right. the action scenes and the fighting scenes are still really cool and so are the visual effects for the time they still pretty much Wait, hold they still, up they still hold up yeah seeing him with his daredevil with his blind vision uh, I don't. I really don't know the the terminology for it, so correct me if I'm wrong. But it looks pretty cool, and actually, it it reminded me kind of of the uh, sonar vision that Batman uses in The Dark Knight, which yeah. I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, with the cell phone kind of thing. Yeah, but I mean, it's uh, you know, it's still kind of subpar compared to the TV show. I can't really push anybody to watch it. I mean, if you have time, if you're interested, give it a shot. If not, then don't bother. But I I can't recommend it still i appreciated james showing me this one the other title i've been watching is also a marvel title and that's jessica jones season two james recommended this also and i decided to give it a shot basically in season two jessica jones is dealing with and if you're not familiar with it with the story just go back a few episodes and listen to james talk about it but basically jessica jones is dealing with ptsd after season one and the defenders and she's investigating a company called IGH, which leads her to discovering more of her past and the secrets behind her abilities. And that's all I'm going to give away because there's spoilers ahead. But I liked it. It was different. It's more character driven. There's not much action, as James has said. But each main character in the story has a true arc, similar to season three of Daredevil, which I really appreciated. It fleshes out Jessica Jones a lot better, too. She's more relatable. You you really feel something for the character and some of the side characters as well, too, like Malcolm or um, the attorney, Jerry Hogarth. Trish, which is Jessica Jones' best friend, I found her to be ridiculously annoying. Like, I, I understood her motivations, but I don't think it was written that well. It was more like a stinging thorn on your side oh, really? that you just had you to get, get through the show. You always get to her scenes and you're like, God, can this be done already? Yeah. She, she it just, like she was supposed to be like a bigger part of the whole universe. To be yeah. I mean, if you watch the season, it'll make sense to the end. But I feel like the, the payoff, for one, it was just too overbearing. 
and I just I didn't care about it. They almost do the same thing in season one where people start to do like random mistakes right. towards the end, but it doesn't go on for four episodes on like season one. The ending is very good. It, everyone just ends up in a, such a different place than they did at the beginning of the season. And it's a really good payoff. The fact that it's getting a third season and the final season of all these Marvel shows, I think it's great and worth it for this. Um, again, it's nothing overly brilliant, but I think it's very entertaining. And the, the story and the characters at least will keep you engaged. So if you're interested in finishing the Marvel TV shows on Netflix, give it a shot. But that's all I've been watching. Pretty cool. Yeah. What yeah. about you, James? What have you been watching? All right. So I went on a Marvel binge too a bit, guys. So I completed all the Netflix Marvel shows in the last month or two, basically. Nice. I've had a little more time. So I watched Punisher 2, all the all the stuff leading up to it. And then I wasn't going to do it, but then I jumped into all the Marvel cinematic films because I'm trying to watch them all before Endgame comes out. Right. Yes. So my whole thing was like, I guess I can do it. And after, I mean... It's been a while since I saw some certain ones. Like, I've seen Phase 1 a lot. But Phase 2 and 3, I guess. Well, Phase 2, I've seen them at least once or twice each, I guess. I'd say Phase 2 is probably the one that people have seen the least. That's the one I've seen. The Phase 3 was the one I've seen the least, actually. I, yeah, guess. I haven't seen much of Phase 3 after the first time. Yeah, so most of Phase 3 I've only seen once. Maybe uh, it's just me then. Yeah, so <laughs> Phase 2, I mean, Phase 2 was fine. But I watched them in, like, the chronological order. According to like the MCU database or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, that's the order I saw them last year too. So it actually worked out really nicely too because I was able to see like Captain Marvel just about at the right time as well. So that was like kind of integrated into my viewing when we watched it last time. Yeah. So as of right now, out of the 21 films or 22 films? I think it's 21. 22. 22. Including Infinity War. Okay. So if it's 22, I've seen 17. So I need, I mean. I have five left, and I'm, I'm working on Black Panther right now. So uh, it's been fun revisiting it. C- certain right. movies, for the most part, they've aged pretty well. I will say that watching them back to back, I do kind of appreciate certain characters better now, though. Yeah. Like at first, I was telling Marco too. I was like, it seems like Hawkeye. Before Hawkeye didn't seem like he was in the movies a lot, but when you watch them back to back. He's a big part of the Avengers. Yeah. yeah. You kind of notice it. You're like, you know what? I get it now. Yeah. You know? Remember I told you the same thing? So I was like, man, if Hawkeye gets killed off, I wouldn't care. And then I did this. And you, like you, my, perspe- my perspective yeah. changed. I was like, okay. I see how he's integrated into these better now. And even Age of Ultron, as much as I didn't like that movie, it still has some really good like action sequences. And I, I appreciated for the most part... Kind of how you can just see that as like a slight, like an adventure, but then a lot of the movies that come after, there's like direct, really direct results of like the, the events, the events of what happened. Right. So, and I think when we were waiting for him to come out, it just isn't as an apparent. So, well, yeah, you're, I mean, you got chunks of time in between. Oh, yeah. And I mean, there's no way I was going to remember, like, oh, yeah, that was a much bigger deal than I remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, I watched a movie that, I don't really know why. So it was 99 cents. So I was like, oh, let's, take a, let's take a stab here. <laughs> so I saw the Nicolas Cage film Mandy, which, by the way, Nobel, you were you were telling me people do like this yeah, movie. This I is guess. a big deal. This is a movie, though, that's kind of more popular with critics, though, because yeah. as of right now, it's on 91%. So it's kind of there's a cultural following Nick Cage. That's why. 
no, but this something about him because he's so weird. Film, though, people was like, really people, like this film. I think people were even saying like, man, these, they were surprised it wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Some people they were trying to for the at least the the music because the guy died. So yeah. I mean, I'm gonna go into spool, I'm gonna go full spoilers here, just because there's no way you can talk about this without spoiling Dude. it. That's so, fine. The movie is about a it's set it's set in 1983, and basically Nicolas Cage. He plays this guy called Red Miller. He's a lumberjack, and he's living in like this secluded kind of forest with his girlfriend. Her name's Mandy. I'm sold already. That's the the story. And then they kind of just go on these long monologues for hell a long time. I mean, like they are talking like about life and shit, and it's just trippy, man. It's just (laughs) it just doesn't work. It's so long and drawn. Like you're supposed to care about. Like they had some really tragic past or some shit like that. And for instance, Red is supposed to be like a ex like military guy that's a recovering alcoholic and. I don't know. Anyway, it sounds like some watered down Quentin Tarantino conversations in movies, but only, only not, not even, done man. as good. Not even. Um, it's, I mean, here it goes with spoilers, I guess. Basically, Mandy crosses the path of like this cult leader. His name is uh, Jeremiah Sand. And basically, he just is like, in, he's like super into how Mandy looks and shit. It's so fucking no. stupid. And he basically sends his goons out to get her. But then he's also. He like brings about after a sacrifice like these demon biker guys. So like brings them back to life. They come out of the swamp. I don't know, oh, dude. It's okay. fucking weird. Okay. And then they capture Mandy. And some shit goes down, and basically Nicholas Cage goes on like a rampage for the last hour of the movie, killing all the cult members. And really, that's about it, man. So do they do they save Mandy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's I'm like, a is she saved? But Mandy's like burned alive in front of oh him and shit God, like that. And he terrible. Walks. It's pretty violent, by the way. And okay. I mean, I sh- I sent you guys some video of the movie today just because uh, you sent us some quality <laughs> yeah. scenes there. I can see why this could have been Oscar paid. <laughs> yeah. No, I like Nick Cage is he's so Nick fucking, Cage in this he's, film. Like max. I told you guys, Nick Cage is so Nick Cage in this one, yeah. bro. I mean, that one scene, he snorts a lot of coke to probably kill a horse. So <laughs> yeah. He just kills a dude because his shirt, he ripped his favorite shirt and shit, and it's like, it's a I mean, I don't know if it's supposed to be super cheesy and funny, because well, I mean, there's moments are, of it that but there yeah. are, but it's truthfully like an indie film that the guy got lucky that Nicolas Cage was like, I'll do it, you know? That's what it seems like. He'll take anything at this point, though. Maybe. I don't know. I heard the dude spends incredible amounts of money every month. So Nick Cage? Yeah. He's yeah, got a little money. This is why too. he keeps doing these uh, films. He does a lot of direct-to-DVD, but this was like a VO, video on demand <laughs> so, and stuff like that. But So you're saying he's the new Steven Seagal? I mean, I still think he's probably better than <laughs> He's Steven still better Seagal. than Steven Seagal. At least he's kind of maintained what, what he does, and he hasn't changed from it, I guess. Yeah. But it's super gory. The it is shot pretty cool. It's almost like it's in like a painting the entire time. They use yeah. a lot of reds, purples, and blues, which is, I mean it's hard to explain unless you see the movie. And it's like oh, okay. I mean color pops out pretty well. I'll give it that much. But overall, man, it's super slow paced. Nothing happens for the first hour. Like it literally takes an hour to get to the point. Like oh okay, Mandy dies like an hour in, and then then he goes oh. on a rampage. Up until then, that first hour is super slow. Yeah, it doesn't really <laughs> seem like I'll waste an hour and yeah, whatever to watch this. I wouldn't recommend it. I I don't think it's for everyone. Obviously, 
critics liked it a lot. Maybe they, I mean, Nick Cage's performance is pretty good. Yeah. But to me, there's just hey, better options. You know what it strong. reminded me of, Nabil? Remember we watched that movie, The Void? Yeah. So The Void is Trippy. way better, though. Just because the pacing of that movie actually makes more sense. And you actually care about those characters. Mm-hmm. This film, on the other hand, is a movie where they it, it almost has the same creepiness factor to it. But it just never reaches the level of to the point where you're like, oh, man, I wonder what's going to happen. It's, it's pretty predictable, too. Yeah. So that's all. What about you, Nabu? So I started watching this show on Hulu called Trill. It stars uh, A.D. Bryant. I don't know if you've heard of her. I don't know why, but as soon as I saw a commercial for that, I knew you'd watch that show. Really? <laughs> yep. They've been advertising it a lot. They have been advertising it quite yeah. a bit. Um, A.D. Bryant's from uh, SNL. She's a current cast member there. Um, and she's one of the funnier characters on that sh- on the on the season. And uh, when I saw she had a show, wanted to check it out. It's about a woman who seeks out a way to change her life without changing her body. And... Oh, yeah. Service level, you listen to it like, oh, okay, sure. Uh, when you watch it, it's filthy. It's hilarious. There's just like, she's very brutal about how people approaches <laughs> her. Uh, and, you know, like the first season just shows her because she's, she's heavy set. So she's always getting uh, kind of she, people will come up to her. The body say, shamer. Yeah. In a nice way. Like they don't think like they're body shaming her, but they are. So they'll go and say something like, oh, all you have to do is just do these workouts and you'll look so beautiful. You know, something oh, like dang it. to her face <laughs> or somebody else is like, oh, I heard what she said to you. That's not what, you know, that's not right. She should never talk to people like you that way or something like that. It's, so every time <laughs> it's just adding, it's always it. an insult. No one really is like, I'm a person. It's fine. You guys don't have to like try to cater to me or something like that. Yeah. You know? And so she finally just kind of gets fed up and finds a way because some traumatic thing happens and she's just like, no more. Am I going to deal with this shit? And, she tries to be a bit, bit more self-empowering. But what's funny is that even though she tries to be more empowering, she still gets brought down a peg by somebody every single time. Like somebody will just say, you know, you're a fucking fat ass or something to her out of nowhere. And it's like, Jesus wow, Christ. okay, well, wow, that <laughs> happened. You know, it's, but you know, it's really funny because <laughs> you really like A.D. Bryant and you want to relate with her. And I feel like in some of the things that she's talking about, I'm like, this is, this is interesting to just see the perspective and, mm-hmm. Get a get a like a real feel. Is it like of a people are? Is there like a general things. plot though of what she does? Or is it just yeah, her she she daily works life? at a, well she she works at um, I want to say it's like an online newspaper magazine kind of thing. Um, oh man! Okay. And so she she kind of just works there. She but she really wants to be a writer. Um, okay. And so she gets an opportunity to write something. And her assignment because the guy who was supposed to do it was sick or something like that um, was to go and try out the buffet at a strip club. And so, and to been there, okay. critique, oh, all critique right. the food at the strip club. So she went to the strip club and talked about everything. How that do you apply for this there. job? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Very odd stuff. Nobody really, everybody thought it was a throwaway piece, but it actually ended up being like one of the biggest hits that ever happened. Oh, that okay, thing. And okay. so she got some notoriety and started, people started noticing her. And so that emboldened her as well. And it's like, I think there's only like eight episodes, so it's not very long. How long are the episodes? 30 minutes. Well, I guess, what, 22 minutes? It's oh, a wow. So it's a quick watch. Yeah. Though. Is it season one? It's only the first season. Yeah, it just mm, came out. Okay. But yeah, and that's just like one of the few things that happens. And it's very funny. Like, she's hilarious in this show. Yeah, she super is. Yeah. yeah. Um. So if you're looking for something that's just kind of different, um, but more relatable as well, it isn't just, you know, slapstick um, or just comedy for the sake of comedy. It's There's a real story to it, and you can feel like you can connect. Definitely uh, recommend watching this show, Shrill, on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Yeah, we'll check okay. it out. Yeah. yeah, I have to check it out, too. Uh, I also watched this other obscure show that's on Netflix called Love, Death, and Robots. 
I've heard about this one. The yeah. anime, right? It's it's a it's an anthology of little animated shorts. Yeah. Um, I think there's 18 episodes, all various lengths. Some are like 12 minutes. Some of them like 50. Uh, 50 so it's all kind of ranges. Nice. Um, it's produced by David Fincher, so you know it's trippy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it's also it's all scientific. Uh, I'm sorry, science fiction, fantasy, horror, comedy. It's just a hodgepodge of things. It's really about the animation and the stories that they're telling in that kind of form. And it's all different styles of animation as well it's very unique and interesting and james i think you'd really like it because it's in 4k and i'm watching it on my television and saying wow this would look so much better uh, james is unplugging right now he's gonna go watch it so uh marco has 4k too guys so i don't know why <laughs> why am i the one guy i just upgraded just, oh well the, even you so i feel like i'm not being able to appreciate it as much as it needs to be no i've heard it's really good i heard um it's comparable to almost like heavy metal a little bit like heavy metal, right. yeah. You yeah. can even look at it like to, uh, uh, if you guys remember Animatrix that came. I out. was just about to say that. Just the, uh, a bunch of different the Halo one too. Yeah, yeah just Halo because Halo it's like shorts. very yeah shorts, but it not, is much they're not darker. really connected. Yeah, but it's it's not for kids. It's rated R. Yeah, sure. I've heard. Uh, well, neither was Animatrix. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I need to. Um, and I'll just kind of give you a synopsis of like the first episode that I saw, so yeah. you have an idea. The so the first one was called Sunny's Edge, and it's set in a dystopian. A cyberpunk future with a scarred and traumatized young woman who partakes in some kind of gruesome death match where they engineer like beasts to essentially mercilessly mercilessly tear each other apart for sport um to to entertain the rich and the powerful Um, yeah kind of like a gladiator thing um and you the whole premise of the show is as you're watching it or that episode is the animation is different. It's very dark. It is very kind of cyberpunk futuristic, um, very gory and graphic. Um, the subject matter, they talk about rape in there and, and things that happen to this, you know, one of the people who are controlling the beasts. Um, is this one of the shorter episodes or longer this ones? This is, uh, I think it was like 17 minutes. Oh, so it was I mean, that's so decent. Oh, that's yeah. pretty good, actually, man. It wasn't very long at all. I got to check this out. Yeah, it's it's very well kind of contained story. Really good twist at the end you didn't expect way more graphic than I thought it was going to be, and yet still entertaining. And you, it makes you want to just continue to see what, what they put up next. And some are hit or miss. Some of them are, are doing, you know, kind of repetitive in, like, the general message of what they're trying to do, but but still different As enough. You, I mean, you run into that a lot with anthology. Yeah, I mean, it's like 18 though. episodes. So there's, like, a common theme amongst some of them, most yeah, some of them. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But it, like I said, it's really just a, you cannot deny how great the animation is and the time and uh, effort they put into it. It's it's very unique in style and diverse, and yeah. you know it, it just looks beautiful. Just to, just for that fact alone, it's worth a watch. I definitely am gonna add that to my queue. Yeah, that sounds fun. Sames. Yeah, that's what I've been watching. Good awesome. stuff, Nabil. Yeah, that's really cool. This is probably the first time that Nabil's <laughs> sent two movies that I'm like, probably check both of those out. Yeah. Or Same here. Slash TV shows. Yeah. Wow, I'm, I'm I'm actually shocked. I'm. I'm looking at him and I'm like, is this the same to Bill? Hey, I get one in every 44 episodes. <laughs> so I was like, proud of you, bro. All right, guys, so let's move on now to our topic of the week. It's the topic of the week. So, our topic of the week here, guys, is the results of the Oscar bowling. I, I guess we called them punishment films, but I don't think they're really punishment films. But I gave Marco and Nabil to, uh, a film each to review, something I wanted them to watch. So we're going to have them go over the movie, what they thought about it, why they thought it, I 
recommended it and overall if they'd recommend it themselves it's it's pretty basic so uh the first one we're gonna go over is the movie i assigned to marco which was the perks of being a wallflower from 2012. dear friend i haven't really talked to anyone outside of my family all summer but tomorrow is my first day and i really want to turn things around this year you know, they say if you make one friend on your first day, you're doing okay. Hey, freshman toast! Come get him! Come on, hop! Let's move it, boys! If my English teacher is the only friend I make today, that would be sort of depressing. So, Charlie, this is what fun looks like. The Island of Misfit Toys. Do you like football? Love it. Be aggressive! Passive aggressive! What is she doing? Don't worry, she does it all the time. Do you think if people knew how crazy you really were, no one would ever talk to you? <laughs> Come on. So this is directed by Stephen Chbosky, who also directed the 2017 film Wonder. And the IMDb description is an introvert freshman is taken under the wings of two seniors who welcome him to the real world. This stars Logan Lerman as Charlie, Ezra Miller as Patrick, and Emma Watson as Sam. So, uh, I understand, Nabil, you've seen this movie before as well, which right. is pretty cool. Cool beans. Uh, Marco, what did you think about it overall? I absolutely love this movie. I can't believe I've waited this long to see it. It's been seven years since it came out. That's and actually, I didn't even realize it was yeah. 2012. Yeah, Man. neither did I. I thought it was something more recent, but it's it's one definitely one that so many people have been trying to get me to watch, and I just never have come around to it. But I appreciate the coming of age story, the 90s tropes, because it does take place in the early 90s, which caught me off guard. I thought that was really cool. Uh, the characters, the acting, uh, there's good music throughout the film, which I really appreciate too. Charlie's journey throughout the film as he trans- transitions from preteen to teen in his first year of high school, I thought was very uh, touching, very relevant, very relatable. Uh, overall, man, it's a very powerful film too. It's on, on a small scale. It's a small-scale film, but very powerful. The message is really great. There's a lot of heavy themes in it that I appreciate. Anything that goes from mental health issues to depression uh, to feeling alone and like an outsider. But, um, man, I would definitely recommend this movie to to damn near anybody who's had a life in high school (laughs) or, you know, part of life in high school. Uh, one of the one of the things that that really grabbed me is the fact that <laughs> some of the kids in it, specifically Ezra Miller, who plays Patrick, and Emma Watson, who plays Sam, they're like in a sort of drama club in the movie. And I was just thinking to myself, "Oh, look, I was in drama club. So I was wearing a cape. I was drama <laughs> club vice president. Look at that." So I I really appreciated those scenes. Of course, we weren't as elaborate as they were in the film. But I mean, no don't local theater your, rented out to us down. for free. So don't put yourself down. <laughs> <laughs> Tried your hardest, man. <laughs> so yeah, that's my failed uh, stint in acting. But the the characters were all just very relatable and 
likable to to a point. You just you you go through this movie thinking, yeah, you know what? I came across Someone people who are very him. much like this yeah. when I went to high school. It's it, it kind of makes you feel that hey, we all kind of in some way or another go through these experiences. But um, I think James recommended this movie to me because of the fact that it's a coming of age story. And because he thought that I could really relate to it, which I did. I don't know if I'm in the right or in the wrong there. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, um, I really like coming-age films. I think maybe those are my favorite genre of film, which is strange. I'm always just trying to relive my past and just go back in time. I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, This movie especially is a a movie that I really like because it... Um, I saw this one in theaters actually, which is when it was it's it was limited release. I don't think this movie ever really came out too wide on when it first originally came out right. seven years ago. So it's one of those movies that uh, I went and saw with a girlfriend, and even she enjoyed it. It's a movie that I related to a lot. I mean, truthfully, um, I didn't do any like the events in that, but I've been to a party where I felt like left out or some shit. And yeah. um, I when I was in sixth grade, I left my all my friends pretty much and moved to a new district. And I know that feeling of isolation, and but it's nice when someone's kind of steps up to the plate and like, hey, you can hang out with us, you know? And yeah. I feel like that that's something that even to this day I've always done. I've always tried to befriend people that maybe don't have a lot of friends and such like that. That's why you guys are hanging out with me. Yeah. No, I've always been the type of person that kind of has been open to things like that and just kind of bring it through and... and I don't know. It's it's a really good story too. Overall, it's a nice sort of self reflection to kind of see yeah. that what's what's shaped us into who we are today, and kind of look back into the past and see where where we've come from. And it's it's good to kind of see stories that are very relatable to those experiences. But I Logan Lerman did a great job portraying Charlie. I've never read the book, but I appreciated his film portrayal. He yeah. he did a great job of seeming kind of like bashful, but wanting and shy and wanting to just come out and be himself. Right. Uh, I, I, like James was saying, I could definitely relate to that. Ezra Miller as Patrick was just great because I've only seen him play the Flash or Barry Allen in the the DC universe. It was good to kind of see him play a different character. And I definitely had a couple of friends that were like that, that were older kids in high school that took me under their wing and said, hey man, you can chill with us and feel like you belong in here. Uh, Emma Watson... She did great, although she cannot hide her accent to save her life. I mean, this was right after the yeah, Harry Potter films, too. Yeah. I will she, say that since then, she's gotten a lot better at hiding it. Yeah. But it was nice to see her play someone different other than Hermione and see her, her talent yeah, right? shine. Yeah. The, the, the fact that I read up that John Hughes was almost going to pick this movie up, I found that kind of interesting because as I was watching this movie, I even told James this on the drive here. I was like, it it, it almost was like a modern Breakfast Club, where it was about kind of, like, and yeah. but it wasn't necessarily like a group. It was more like a like just one individual sure. rather than a whole set group of kids, unless you include Patrick and Sam in this. But they weren't really outsiders. It, but it almost did feel like a modern version of that, even though it was set in the nineties. And I really, I, I really like that touch of it also. But um, very good pick, James. I appreciate it. I, I was expecting you to actually truly punish me this time, but you kind of gave me, you threw me a bone here. Hmm. Yeah, I'll get you next year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. Oh, 
when you're this confident, guys, you already know you can line these motherfuckers up. <laughs> yeah, and I, I also got to mention, uh, I love the soundtrack to that movie too. Yeah, the yeah, soundtrack. soundtrack. And um, yeah, I just like I said, I can agree to a lot of those things, like a lot of the events they do, like hanging out late at night and shit. I kind of like missed that shit when I was younger. Truthfully, yeah. Now I'm old and like nine o'clock rolls. I'm like, well, uh, seems like it's morning. that time of the night again. <laughs> gotta wake up early. It's uh, let me go day read a- seventeen <laughs> yeah. on the job. Let me go read my book a bit and fall asleep. Awesome. I'm glad you liked it. So let's move on to the movie that we uh, or I assigned to Bill here, which was Me and Earl and the Dying Girl from 2015. I have no idea how to tell this story. I don't even know how to start it. This is the story of my senior year of high school and how it destroyed my life. Your father and I want to talk to you about something sad. Rachel Kushner has been diagnosed with leukemia. That sucks. It sucks. It sucks quite a bit. You might be someone who could make Rachel feel better. I don't need your stupid pity. I'm not here because I pity you. I'm actually here because my mom is making me. <laughs> it's actually worse. Everyone's gonna find out sooner or later. One thing you can do if you don't want to talk to anyone is just enter a subhuman state. Pretend you're someone annoying. Oh, hi, Rachel. I'm really sorry you have cancer. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> so if this was a touching romantic story, our eyes would meet, and suddenly we would be furiously making out with the fire of a thousand suns. But this isn't a touching romantic story. Anyway. Yep. So this is directed by Alfonso Gomez Reon, who uh, did a film in 2017 called The Current War. It is uh, IMDb-wise. It's a high schooler Greg, who spends most of his time making parodies of classic movies with his co-worker Earl, finds his outlook forever altered after befriending a classmate who has just been diagnosed with cancer. This stars Thomas Mann as Greg, R.J. Seiler as Earl, and Olivia Cook as Rachel. So what did you think, Nabil? Honestly, uh... I was surprised at how much I liked it. Um, it was, just to let you know, Nabil, this was my number one film of 2015. Really? Yes. As I, I do mean, a top list it, every yeah. year, this was my favorite film. This was very entertaining. The uh, character, uh, Greg, is, well, specifically Thomas Mann, great. He does. He narrates the film. And Why doesn't he do more really movies, good. right? Yeah, I mean, he's really good. I was yeah. like, have I not seen him in anything else? A very entertaining guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the breakout star of that show was uh, R.J. Seiler, the guy who plays Earl. Mm-hmm. He was hilarious. Straight laced the whole He's time, too. He's super direct, right? <laughs> He's, yeah. I, I thought he was great. Every time he was in the scene, he kind of just stole the scene to He's me. He's funny, like, too. I want to see more things. Um, and then Olivia Cook, She was great, too. I thought um, she was going to have uh, a much bigger role in this, but she was kind of more of the aside there. Like She is the aforementioned... Dying, Dying girl. girl, yeah. So, um, what I really liked about the the film is the the whole idea of the dynamic of the friends of Greg and Earl being yeah. together, and um, you can see kind of Greg's insecurities, um, even though he's trying to befriend Rachel, the Dying Girl. But it almost, I mean, it's almost like at first it's like he's almost forced to do it, right? Because he kind of like, grows they had a history him. in the in the past and shit mm-hmm. like that, so he feels like, oh, I should, since I, you know, yeah. she must be in a bad place. And that's and that's part of it too. Like he tries to, as a kid would, tries to make things a little different and upbeat, you know, and ignore yeah. some things. And then when things get a little too real, everybody just kind of there's just arguments that are so teenager. Like, <laughs> yeah. You go there and you're like, why would you think that? It's like, oh yeah, because you're children. Like they wouldn't get yeah, that. they're in you high know, school. Yeah. 
So, um, I mean, there's there's a funny scene of where they think that they got high by smoking or drinking one of the teacher's soups. Um, yeah. And they thought they were blaming oh, the teacher, but they were trying to be cool about it and not get the teacher in trouble. Yeah. Um, and kind of find out it had nothing. To, the, the teacher didn't do anything. It was yeah. something else, um, which is, it was just hilarious all the time. About that part. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think the film is well written. I think what I liked the most about it, though, is how it was shot. Because it's you really could even well. tell, like, at the intro of the film, like, they're doing this very kind of cool uh, over, I don't know the technical term is, but it's kind of like an overlook shot, like, way up ahead, above. And they, and each scene, it's a different shot, a different kind of angle. That he's The uh, the director, Alfonso Gomez, Rion, is um, definitely experimenting with different shots in this film. Yeah. And it kind of fits in well because Greg and Earl are aspiring filmmakers. Yeah. Um, or at least they like to do it in their free time because they like kind of weird, old, foreign films that are way it's, too adult for yeah. the, what they should be watching <laughs> and very obscure. Um, and so they kind of shoot the scenes in the same way and, and mimic that. And it's very different kind of. It's so funny uh, because Earl art. doesn't seem like the type that would be into that at all right. too in those movies. But it, they found some kind of like camaraderie shit by doing this, That's and kind it, of it is kind of just basically for them too. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, funny. it's kind of the thing to keep the, the friendship alive, and um, that it all ties in really well. You know, like I said, Greg is narrating the story, and it kind of works as he's an aspiring filmmaker um, in the sense that he's telling a story. Um, a part of it, you know, he's he he is so self absorbed and oblivious to. The world that he's just trying to stay invisible and when you kind of shake up his world a little bit you know he gets uh it's it's like everything's falling apart for him yeah um and he needs like earl to give him a hard reality check to let him know hey you know there there's real things going on and you're just living in a bubble for some reason yeah um so i mean he he basically another coming of age till i guess yeah it is is that he is he grows up basically so. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It really he, is like, it's like he realizes that there's things bigger than himself or oh, what yeah. he's going through. He definitely, I mean, especially at the end, like he starts really realizing. Oh, yeah. That, that ending is yeah. pretty devastating. And I think that's this story, just kind of like Perks of Being a Wallflower was about feeling alone and trying to find friends. Yeah. Um, this is, a, is kind of the opposite where he has friends but wants to be alone. Yeah. Right. Um, and um, I think James specifically chose this for me because um, I know he likes coming of age stories, but specifically, look two two and one uh, right here. Well, I think it's because I get very in- invested in emotional films, and, and so I don't really do well with some of them when they're a little too um, not dramatic but sad. Um, and this wasn't I, too I think real. He, yeah, I mean, really, and I think that he. Or at least you, James, think that thought it wasn't going to strike too much of a nerve because it had a good balance of comedy and everything else. It does, else. yeah. That, you know, with how the film's ultimate, it just shows in title, lead up to a dying girl happens that it's uh, not as traumatic as you might think it's going to be because there's a lot more that went into that relationship. Regardless, too, I think for this kind of film, you definitely do care about the characters. Yeah. And it does a really good job of setting that up. And um, I want to say, it's been a while, but Greg's dad is played by Nick Offerman, right? Which is great. Yeah, he is absolutely no hilarious yeah. in this movie, yeah, too, by the way. Funny in show. So that's also one of the things. It's, like, it's, a, it's a good balance of... It's a it's a dramedy, basically. It is. Okay, now I really want to watch this movie, yeah, too. It's a, it's a dramedy, and it's also coming of age. And it, it does it so well that... And I think the ending with Rachel when she's in the hospital... And the lights are going off is one of the absolute beautiful shots in the entire movie as Definitely, well. Yeah. And um, the use of color and the angles in that in that scene itself is worth it just for that movie. But uh, I'm glad you liked it. 
Yeah, so. it was a good recommendation. Nice. So there, that was your guys' quote unquote uh, punishment. Torturous, films, right? I mean, it's, the movies were kind of an emotional roller coaster. So I guess he wanted to torture us by trying to make us cry because you know, <laughs> as we all know here, did I get a little teary eyed some parts <laughs> of uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower? I'm I'll sure. keep that to myself. Yeah. Oh man, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Okay, guys, so that was the topic of the week. Let's move on now to our movie review of the new horror film, Us. Can't believe how big Dave got. You hear Gabe got a boat? He's kidding, right? He's not kidding. Hey, I think it's vodka clock. Oh, yeah. Where's Jason? 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 Where were you? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me, and I'll keep you safe. There's a family in our driveway. It's probably the neighbors. But y'all scared of a family? Hi, can I help you? Zora, put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. So the IMDb description of this one, guys, is a family serenity turns to chaos when a group of doppelgangers begins to terrorize them. This is directed by Jordan Peele, who did 2017's Get Out. This stars Lupita Nyong'o as Adelaide Wilson slash Red. Winston Duke as Gabe Wilson slash Abraham. Shahadi Wright Joseph as Zora Wilson slash Umbre. Evan Alex as Jason Wilson slash Pluto. Elizabeth Moth as Kitty Tyler slash Dahlia. And randomly, Tim Hedeker from Tim and Eric, <laughs> Tim and Eric. is Josh Tyler slash Tex. So what did you think, Marco? Uh, it's a yay for me. This movie is very deep. Yes. It's super deep. And I like that. I like that Jordan Peele took all the lessons he'd learned from his previous movie as far as a filmmaker goes and decided to push those limits and push those boundaries and keep us on the edge of our seats with something new. Like it's completely different than, than get out in, in the ways that it presents its messages and themes. It's a lot more thought provoking where Get Out was, and not to just keep comparing it to his previous movie, but I mean, that's what everybody's going to be do- going to yeah. be doing. Yeah. But it is Get Out was a little bit more kind of in up front, not necessarily in your face, but up front as far as what it was trying to show and represent. In this one, there is a lot of layers, so many freaking layers that you got to look through, and the performances too were really great. I I was really impressed with uh, Lupita Nyong'o's performance as both um adelaide wilson and her doppelganger red just two different characters completely at times i would forget that red was even her and that's when you know that someone's really killed it as a performance yeah winston duke it was good to see him in something outside of a, a comic book movie because that's the only thing i've seen him in the kids were great too i i usually very kind of standoffish with child actors because some of them are really good some of them are really horrible but these kids actually push themselves to the limit and challenge themselves and uh and yeah i just really appreciated that about the movie what, what about you Nabil? what did you what did yeah, you think yeah i mean did you I, like I echo it? a lot of that i thought it was a great film um really really well shot um his use of color was great 
Um, yeah. The tone was, was really good. I think, I mean, I had some issues with, with how it ended overall. Like, the, not even the ending, but just the third act. But um, I w- Yeah, I'll say the third yeah. act definitely is when there's a monologue scene that probably kind of takes away from the um, pacing of the film. Yep. But, I mean, overall, like, solid horror film. Just, he does... He knows what he's trying to get with as far as uh, the the scares are concerned, and it works really well with you, James. Uh, yeah, I agree with you guys, too. Good old yay for me. Uh, this movie, like Marco was saying, has a lot of layers to it. Um, Get Out was an excellent horror film as well, but this one, I think, is even deeper than Get Out, which may or may not confuse people. I mean, you got to watch it for yourself. I think you can interpret the movie in a number of ways. And yeah. Because even Jordan Peele is throwing people off of yeah. like what the true <laughs> meaning of the movie is, and I think this one though it definitely you have to kind of I mean even in Get Out I mean spoiler for Get Out if no one's seen it, but there's a very big sci-fi element to Get Out that you kind of just have to trust and believe that it's possible that happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean not a spoiler then I guess I just but it, you know you know what I mean. And there's something in this one too that we're talking about spoilers that. You also have to just be like, yeah, that's just what happens, you know. You just have right? to suspend disbelief. True, can't trust and you have to really immerse yourself into the movie. Yeah, yeah, you have to become part of the world and just be like that's part of the story, which is fine. And I think it gets the message across really well. And although I had to kind of look into more of this one to really appreciate it, I think I did like but, a lot of research today. But I think that the unrealistic aspects are like the supernatural part. "Quote oh, yeah. unquote," that he adds to the movie. Even yeah. from even from Get Out, there's a lot of that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, is the upside down or whatever the fuck it's called? And I always mix up the Stranger Things and yeah, Get Out. What's it called? The um, the Sunken Place. Sunken Place. There yeah. it is. See, upside downs. Stranger Things. Look at that. It's <laughs> all strange. I mean, somewhat kind of similar, but it, even that, that's where you have to be like, oh, and the brain swapping and shit, and you got to be like, oh, that's possible. No. No, no, it's no, not. <laughs> but there's more to it than that. So I really enjoyed it. Um, last night I was a bit more confused on it, but it like even your wife was saying, like it's a movie where you have to sit on it for a while, and yeah. it kind of comes to you, and you kind of like, oh. think about it, and, and then you realize how yeah. smart the movie actually is. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely one that people are going to be talking about for it's, weeks on days. I man. would say it's definitely a movie that. Um, with a second viewing would probably even be better. I agree. Kind of coming into it. So you'd probably notice a lot more um, instances of hints to things as well. Because even just reading up on this, there's a lot of stuff that gets set up early on that kind of is right in your face, but you don't realize it. So that's pretty... Yeah. I like when they do that. And I'm usually not a fan of watching a movie more than once. Um, right back to back. But this is a movie that, that I'd consider watching again like soon. Just to kind of go through it and kind of figure it out. So um, for you guys though... What before we, I mean, for the most part, we have to go into spoilers for this, but we're not yet, not quite. Yeah. We're gonna go over just two little things here. We've already been compared to get out, but for you, what didn't work for the movie? For me, I think some of the pacing at the beginning, it's it's much more of a slow burn than get out was, whereas in yeah. get out, everything just sort of unraveled. The pacing with, for get out's really good, yeah, it, everything unraveled in the first 20, 30 minutes. And this one, it feels actually even less than that. And this one, it feels like you got to get into it 30, 40 minutes in before. It's like 40 minutes in, I think. Yeah, before yeah. it really starts delving into the stuff that we see in the trailers. And I mean, it, it's, I get what it's doing is it's building up the characters. And that way you relate to them more and you get more of a sense of danger and care for them when they're put into like 
Are weird you situations. Me you didn't need a seven minute shot of them doing epic uh, music and the rabbits in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could have been shortened I, a little bit. Yeah, um, we can probably the, Yeah, the intro is definitely super long. But I think I at the same time for me it kind of works because I get what he's trying to do. He's really he's really pushing the psychological thriller in it. Oh yeah, and even even uh, the son this is really like much of a spoiler, but he's wearing a, a Jaws shirt. Yeah, and it's kind of like what Steven Spielberg does in that movie, where the reveal of the shark isn't until much later in the movie, and it's sort of like the reveal of what's going on in this movie until much deeper right. in into the story. And I can see those parallels work, and that's probably why. But for your for a casual viewer, I don't think that works, and there's I think like, they'll just be like, "All right, can we get this thing going?" There's like actually even that beginning shot has a lot of little things to look into. I guess one of the movies tells you exactly the amount of time the movie is. It says like an hour 47, and that's exactly how long the movie is. Yeah. Oh, uh, the Goonies is probably, I mean, no one's really picked up on this. That might be a reference that, that the Goonies go underground into an area that's super yep. secret and hidden. Yeah. All the things they have, they have the right stuff is there too. The right stuff. Right, right. Stuff like that. It's funny. Second, second movie uh, so far that we've seen that has the right stuff in it. Captain yeah, Marvel has Captain it Marvel too. too. Mm-hmm. But uh, also what didn't work is there are some instances where I think some of the comedy hinders the horror aspect of it or the th- the thrill of the scene. And I, I, was, I feel like Jordan Pill just can't help it. Yeah, I I was watching one review. This guy Jeremy Johns, and he was saying like they were like everything's good. He's really good at blending in horror, and Jordan Peele's really good at blending in comedy and horror. But in some instances in this movie, there were some parts where you just wanted the horror to linger, and then the family is like throwing jokes back and forth, and it's kind of like no, just let 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 it go for a little bit, and then do go back to integrating the comedy into it. But you know, if I'm nitpicking, that those are probably the only two things that didn't work for me. I got you. Uh, what about you, Nabil? Uh, you know, honestly, I'm like the complete opposite here. Um, I, I actually liked the uh, comedy bits of it. I think it helped oh, no, ease a lot of tension. No, yeah, I, I liked it. I just thought that there were some parts where it was a little too much. Yeah. Not the whole thing, but well, just I, I think that, you know, with a lot of the horror bits that were going on, there was a because there was a lot of scenes where I was just like sitting tense, like, I don't know what's going to happen. What's about to go down and truthfully you know, i crazy. was the same or i kept thinking i figured the movie out and then it would take so like okay, another exactly. left but then and when he threw in the comedy i was like okay it gave me a chance it's a to strategy though i think yeah, right i think you that's think? part of it and i and i, I kind of like that it's refreshing for me because a lot of like it's it's like uh cabin in the woods we've seen that film um it, where you'll you'll it's it's supposed to be a horror film and there's some funny bits and it i like kind of like those kind of films so that might be also the other thing is when you are able to to sprinkle into comedy at the right time it it helps ease everything in yeah. to say okay I can breathe a little bit instead of just being so on pins and needles. Did all you guys? The time. Did you guys find this one scary? I did. I found it creepy. I should say, not like scary, but very eerie. Yeah, I find it. I found it kind of like a mind fuck yeah. more than anything, and creepy, but not not a hundred percent scary. It, I think the scare was just not knowing what the hell exactly. is going on. Truthfully, yeah, I think no like a repeat wrong. viewing. I, I it would. This wouldn't even come off as a horror film to me at this yeah. point. It's a psychological thriller but I think yeah the same sense of get out though right because we didn't really feel that it was as horror um when we reviewed it before than it was that, so that's true but i mean for this movie specifically i think i thought it was going to be scarier right well i mean especially how they advertise it. but especially because they don't show you a lot in that advertisement but 
it's also because now that we know what it's all about, it's yeah. kind of like, oh, okay. But it is creepy, though. Yeah. It's and got, I mean, it's got a good blend of various horror motifs in it, yeah, though. Right. Like, you got the, the, the of sense of, of uh, a, um, uh, house invasion, slasher, chase, all those elements. Oh, yeah, it's from, a good mixture of stuff. So, it's cr- I mean, it, it is creepy, especially with the tethered kind of people. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, Nabil, going off of your thing is, Get Out, though, I think had a lot more jump scares in it. It did, yeah. As opposed to this one, like I jumped once. It's because that stupid fucking owl. I yeah. I agree. That was a Marco. Jump scare he sat next purpose. to me. Yeah. I was like, God dang it! <laughs> so I was like, Sorry, uh, go ahead. No, I mean that. I will say that for me, uh, what didn't work really was, and and you kind of touched on that already. James was on the third act, the exposition, and he kind of did that also in Get Out, and he, he did actually it here. does do it in Get yeah, Out. Yeah, and I, that's a sign of a. A young director. Yeah, I think he's still trying to figure that out and how to get all the exposition out in in, over time. Rather than, I mean, literally the whole background is is kind of this seven minute scene. Like, guess what? Tells you everything. Put on your seatbelts. I mean, he still leaves just enough at the very end. Are you talking about the scenes that sound kind of like the bad guy giving his speech to the good guy? Hey, let me reveal to you everything Mm -hmm. before we fight. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. I'll give you the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's great that you made sense of everything, but it's like I actually sometimes thought kind of he was gonna to. flip it on its head, and instead, like, not not that happened. There's somebody just does something else, just to kind of like be like, just kidding. But yeah. no, yeah. it just straight up did it. I was like, I oh, kind of wish okay. that he didn't. Though I, I I wouldn't mind leaving the film just not knowing, saying, oh, what, why? I mean, well, they still leave plenty of mystery. Truthfully, there's a lot that are there's gapped in it. Definitely. And it's just kind of like Marco said, like you just gotta believe it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because come on, guys. Truthfully, thing. not gonna happen. No, I no. Mean, you never know. I mean, what the government does. Right? No, Nabil. I'm sorry. Take your, take your, take your the fucking conspiracy theories. The yeah. were a crazy time. Please take the tinfoil hat off right now. He's like, I right now. Uh, Area 51 is not that far away from here. We can go now. No, it's not aliens either. By the way, guys. Spoiler alert. <laughs> what about you, James? What, what worked and didn't yeah. work for you? Uh, what worked overall, I really enjoyed uh, Lupita Nyong'o's uh, performance. I really like the shots. They do a lot of close-ups in this one, just like they didn't get out, yeah. which is really nice. I, I even like joked to uh, Marco during the movie. See, I talked during it, too. Hmm. So I was like, starring Lupita Nyong'o's eyes, because, man, her eyes are like, boom! She does <laughs> a good job though? with those eyes. I will say that he did... I've seen, you know, the films that I've seen with Lupita Nyong'o in it, Jordan Peele does a really good job at shooting her, like, on the camera. Because, you know, she's very dark-skinned, and there's a lot of dark scenes. So that's very difficult to kind of get the good lighting on there. Really kidding. seriously. Um, no, no, no. It's, she it's, does. Difficult, yeah. it's really difficult for a director, like, who might be fascinated with somebody to, to get right, especially in this kind of film. And he helps let her shine. And yeah. you can really appreciate, like, see all her movements, everything she's doing, and the, especially as she's uh, portraying Red as creepy as she is and you yeah. really are kind of I'd, I'd be interested to that. see the behind the scenes on how they did this was yeah. it like all their scenes were shot like that and then or did they do one in one or right. somebody did a stand in and you know what I mean mm-hmm. also be, red is also it's a very strong color too yeah. it's, an, it's a very, very strong uh, yeah exactly which like, I want to get into spoilers which, on that yeah one, even the shining borrows that the shining exactly. uses a lot of red yeah. too there's a lot oh, of there's a lot of shining red. references in this movie oh yeah and the fact that Jordan Peele has been showing up to every event dressed up as Jack Torrance mm. have you seen that yeah it's hilarious <laughs> he's wearing yeah. the fucking flannel and everything no I agree with you I mean I Lupita Younger does it really well yeah. she's just she's wonderful she's a she's standout st- performance in this movie which yeah. is really cool she steals it yeah she was great fantastic and I mean I like the kids in this one too you know what? I really freaking like uh, Winston Duke. 
Oh, he's a goober dad in this, and he plays it so well. He was awesome. Yeah. I yeah. really liked him, and I he was the one guy, too, and I was like, man, if anyone dies in this movie, please not let it be this guy. <laughs> right. I was like, this guy's keeping me together over here, man. I thought this he movie's was going to be a lot scarier if he dies. Oh, yeah, if he was gone, I was like, oh, God dang it. They killed him. What didn't work for me for the So, basically, I liked... I, I pretty much liked the movie. Yeah. I think... I, I agree with the Nabil. I don't like the monologue at the end. It's a little sloppy. They could have probably revealed it in a different way or not even done it at all. They could have just showed it like with like piecing scenes together yeah. or with their yeah. flashbacks. I mean, they almost... I'm on a flashback trend right now, guys. No, I, I, I could do a lot of that. But I mean, it would have worked, though, for the most part. Yeah. There's... I mean, I'll talk about it in spoilers, too. There's also... I guess the suspending disbelief at some times... I I think here's my this is what I'm gonna say. I think I kind of what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Sometimes it just doesn't. There's it, there's one aspect of the movie where it's like, mm, okay, that's kind of a little <laughs> bit of a stretch. Yeah, there. I mean, as Get Out, Get Out, you don't have to disp- dis- suspend disbelief that bad, right? Yeah. It's I mean, um, I mean, to a point. Yeah. I mean, they're mad scientists. Well, because, well, because I mean. there's a lot of modern procedures where organ transplants are being, maybe you know, but, but even, it's it's a little. It's an arm's reach, and I feel like this is stretching this out like a couple into, miles. Like a fucking like, there's magic involved, or like yeah, another like natural, unnatural force that we never explained. And I felt like shit. If you're gonna monologue that, why don't you explain a little more? You know, at this point, it's very vague when it gets to a the, certain point. This is something where I wanted it to be a little bit more supernatural rather than which I would have been fine because yeah, Jordan Peele says this one is purely a horror film, right? Yeah. So, and you're just supposed to kind of roll with it. But truthfully, I think the monologue near the end, she reveals so much except for like the key fucking features. Yeah. I just would have liked a little more. So maybe I would have been so like, man, huh? might as well, like, right? That's what I, no, that's exactly <laughs> what I mean. I'm not talking about like telling me exactly everything, but uh, just a tiny bit more. Which I'll get into spoilers. I don't want to say it right now, but there's, there's, I think Marco's catching on to it. Yeah. So there's something to it where I get it, and I I was fully ready to suspend disbelief. I was like, "Go for it, Jordan! <laughs> Fucking throw it at me!" And um, I mean, for the most part, though, everything comes together really well. So. It does. You know what? Let's because we kind of already we've been comparing to Get Out. We don't need to. Yeah, keep we can't beat that horse. We can't say anything more without no. spoiling the movie anyway. Right now, let's so. get into the spoiler section. I highly recommend skipping this part if you haven't seen the movie yet, because this movie is worth uh, going in pretty blind. Or go watch, put this on pause, go watch the movie right now, and then come back back. and listen to the spoiler spoiler section. I can't talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, here we go. All right, so back here. Okay, so a lot of stuff happens in this movie. And um, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Nabil was shirtless the entire time. <laughs> when the music was on, Nabil, I kept imagining you over there just like... He's he's back, baby. He's I back. I was like, oh man, Nabil's feeling himself. No, that's not the big reveal, though. The reveal, though, <laughs> is apparently the doppelgangers. Okay. You gotta, you know, I'm, I'm assuming if you've watched this as well, you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. Are like clones of everybody from the United States. They're a failed yeah, government experiment to control people. Supposedly, right? Yeah. Sure I how. mean, they hint at it. They don't exactly ever say that, though. They just kind of hint at it in That's a way them. of like, 
they kind of mention a few things. I mean, there and be, I, uh, I, dude, as much as I like, I, I know that's what you were going for because yeah, I, I wanted. Like, couldn't there just huh. be like an underworld, like a yeah, like Stranger I'll, Things? I wouldn't have minded if you or did that. The tunnels, the they just yeah. like this. Oh, this has been happening forever or some yeah. shit. I don't know. You don't yeah. need to tell me the government. I mean, I mean, there's no fucking way. Right? <laughs> it just seems too like no, too, no. And then too, I was like, uh, where they get their exact clothes? Then hmm? yeah, they have the same fucking clothes. No. Yeah. It, no seemed, it seemed way. way too conspiracy theory. That was where I was, I was like, like oh. that's I think I even looked at Mark I was like, hmm, okay. Yeah. I still don't know <laughs> what the purpose of the gloves were. Um and I'm assuming they're fit cuz I'm assuming the scissors had to do with untethering. Yeah, was cutting the themselves yeah. off. It had to do their... with that and Jordan Peele said that it also had to do with duality because they are both two equal sides that that exists and there's supposed right. to be a metaphor of that. As well as like he wanted to pay homage to uh, the scissors as a horror weapon. Right. Yeah. That's the, what he said in an interview. So. I also, I mean, I looked at it too as um, being completely fucking creepy. They look like Freddy Krueger gloves. They do. Yeah. yeah. Not, I still I don't just, know yeah. what the point of that was. I, and, the, and the scissors too, kind of a representation of his uh, his claws on, on the glove. I can see too. that, but I can yeah. see it as just a sharp object. That's their that's their most readily accessible weapon, maybe. Right. Um. Yeah, I didn't like. I, that's the one part I was like a little, uh, okay. I mean, I, I, I'll take it, right? So it's it's one of those things where that part of like, why are they connected to those people on the top to the bottom and they do the same exact thing but down there? I mean, there was a reason why in the beginning of the film they mentioned tunnels. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems so random, but it's like, okay. I guess he was like, hold on, here's some more information. Yeah. So. He I really mean, does try to put it on there, and uh, even from the get-go, and you don't really think about it in, until the exposition, and you get to see it all connect. But yeah, the, it just when and in, in something that's supposed to be really grounded, <laughs> the, the it's not. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, that's why just kind of set it up that we don't have. to Yeah, believe, uh, th- that's why I would have preferred that it be a supernatural thing where there's this whole underworld where the opposite happens. Right. Of what happens to you in real life, where if you go through something happy, something bad happens Mm -hmm. to them, you know, and I would have appreciated that. I mean, you guys know that I'm not I I, my love for the supernatural is only like only goes nay high. And here's a chance where I wanted that because I felt that that would have been show me some goddamn ghosts. Yeah, and it's like, oh man, the the clone thing. I was like, okay. I was like, but so I mean, leading into that, then what do you think that overall the tethered and I mean, then they were calling themselves like untethered. What did it mean to you guys? I mean, I want to let you like the way that I saw it. I mean, we gotta talk about the ending, I guess, real quick. Hold on, let's let's backtrack a tiny bit. Twist ending. Red and Adelaide actually switched when they were kids. Right. Yes. By the way, which that's the creepiest scene in the entire movie to me. It is. By the way, when she like fucking chokes her and then throws her down Mm. and brings her down there so basically red takes the place of adelaide so she's the uh lupita nyong'o's character when she was younger so she grows up and and james pointed this out to me that's why she speaks very kind of because her larynx was choked no not actually technically i read it up because they talked about it too she just hasn't talked in a long time that's why she her vocal cords, oh that's right because she, she had, had to, to pretend she's the only to, person that can speak talk. english yeah but she goes crazy down there so yeah she you know she hasn't talked in a long time so when she talks she's talking for the first time in like 30 fucking years yeah so you're right. Like, right i, I saw that that's why too. i yeah. forgot about that but still so, that's choked. kind of i mean that's a hint too and a couple things are hinted at it 
actually throughout the film. So I don't know if you guys have noticed some of the hints of it. The her color red that she chooses is because red plays a prominent role right before she's actually yeah swapped out. You have the red apple. Yep. Um, the red on the thriller shirt. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like her color. So she plans. She becomes the leader of the slaves in a way. If you think about it, of well, that I mean, are she's, untethered. That's so, why they yeah. said she was different, she, right? Yes. Which. It's funny because they hint at it, and you just assume she's just different. Yeah. Before the twist, right? You're like, oh, okay. Um, did you guys think she got swapped out? I kind of thought maybe it happened. I I wasn't 100 percent though. I wasn't either. I thought about it. I was like, well, maybe, but then it seemed like maybe it was, was like, just she's traumatic really experience. Sure. Yeah, I I thought that maybe like through the mirror, like she went through. I didn't expect her to get choked out, but I thought when she went yeah. to reach for the girl, like they. It created like an opposite effect where she yeah. went to the mirror. I didn't think so, she dragged her down down there. No. Like, yeah, that was shit, even creepier. No how did she get up? How how did the original red get up there though? When they I don't, she is whistling the uh, itsy bitsy spider climbed up the water spout. So mm. somehow she got out, right? Maybe she, she climbed, climbed up, up the on the side. Spout. Yeah, probably the side of the escalator. Yeah, as we know, it's possible. I mean, even though they're going down, you can still go up. Yeah, mm. so. I've done that. <laughs> Just saying, she's a she's a young one. She's fast, right? So. Yeah. With that, though, it makes a lot of sense because it shows you when... So now I'm talking the red, the real Adelaide, I guess. It's too confusing at this point, but mm. the one wearing the red suit. Yeah. <laughs> when she goes on her huge monologue, which Nabil was hinting at is probably the weakest point of the movie. Um, It's funny because they ask her like where she's from and stuff. She points out, we're Americans. It's like, truthfully, yeah. they are, right? Yeah, yeah. And she's like, we're humans, yeah. too. Because basically, red became Adelaide, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. she... Her growing up in that surrounding, she grew up to be actually pretty normal. Mm-hmm. So that proves to you that there's a bigger issue here, right? Yes. Which gets it's, it's a very the, deep meaning. Yeah, it gets into the meaning here. This is how I interpreted it after reading up on it. I, I'm not going to take credit for this at all. Yeah. But the movie does a really good job of kind of... I mean, at first, I really thought it was about like... Like capitalism, gender, class, all that shit, right? Right. Which it is to a point. Don't get me wrong. To a point. But it's very much a look at how us Americans don't like to remember the past. Yes. Yeah. We like to cover up everything at any given time. I even wrote it here. I was like, it's 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 funny because it's like she goes into this thing in 1986, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a Native American, I mean, Indian or Native Shaman American. is what they say. Yeah. Shaman. And I mean, nowadays, that'd be kind of fucked up, right? Yeah, so that's why it's in Merlin. 2017, 2018, whenever this takes place, it's Merlin, right? Mm-hmm. But the whole point is that you can't just cover up something and hopefully people forget about it with a fresh new paint of coat. Mm. Paint of coat of paint? Coat Sorry. of paint. That's how I look at it here. You can't scrub away stuff. A darker past, and the darker past is these tethered folk that are down there in the goddamn. Tunnels of the I apparently yep. I guess it's not just that area, it's the entire United States. There's this huge underground that's why everyone's dying everywhere. It's like, oh, it's popping yeah, up. Everywhere. And that's why there's a long ass line at the end too of yes, everyone. It's a representation yeah. like, hey, we're here, this it's, is us. It's everywhere. Get it? Yeah. If you and put a dot in between each one, it's the United States. Yep. So what I saw it as is that they're covering up something and the what I wrote down here is like it still proves to you that uh, in a way, it's a commentary that you can have a great life, right? But you can unknowingly be causing suffering to someone else. Yes. Right. Which is a big theme in this movie. I mean, that's not even just uh, her coming back and realizing, hey, some shit happened when I was a kid. 
I think that's just commentary on a lot of things now. So that's why I'm saying. It, it I'd like to elaborate race. on that. Yeah, it can include race, gender, class, all that stuff. And it's even something that I wrote down that is something about even like mental illness too. And yeah. how that versing class and depending on how you were raised or the people you're surrounded can very much affect who you become. Because Red eventually became a normal person. Yep. And then Adelaide, surrounded by crazy people, became yeah, crazy. So yourself, yeah. it's it's a constant... Like if you're surrounded by it, this is what's going to continually keep there's, happening. On and there's on. even a visual at the end as you see her white shirt turns red. Mm-hmm. She starts to growl, kind of yeah, like red exactly. too, and it she starts to limps, show. She even limps. It's a directly yeah. a shot of like Jack Torrance limping in The Shining. Yeah. Yes, you, even her her son at the end is kind of hesitant to I grab her hands. I generally got like yeah, cre- she turns into a primal like creature. Yeah. Almost reminiscent of like how she used to be when she kills. She kind of remembers it all. And time. what what does she tell. what does she do it for? Survival. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, going off of like what James said there about that, it, I I agree. It's it's a look into that about like hiding the past and uh, in a way kind of looking into ourselves as well too, like holding a mirror into you and a sense of duality that, you know. We often question ourselves, like, are we doing good? Are we a good person? And the the switch of red becoming Adelaide and Adelaide becoming red is almost like uh, a way of seeing, like, well, the, the perception some people might see what I do or what I'm doing as good, and others might see, well, Marco, you've done this shit and this shit and this shit, and that's bad and stuff. Yeah. And perceptions change. There are people that you know, perceive you as good, people perceive you as bad, as well as that, and how we, uh, there's a there's a term called otherism, and I freaking brought this up to you guys as well too, but even Jordan Peele talks about that, how subtly uh, a bit of otherism to where if it's something that is unpleasant to us or something that we do not like or don't want to see, we we give it that sort of subtitle of otherism in our, in our minds in order to um, make it make it less than what we are. Kind of similar to like what James is saying, where it's like the mentally ill or uh, people who are less fortunate or come from you know the outside. We do that to make it easier to put them down and stuff like that. But switch sides, and we can see that each one of us can walk in each other's shoes and see that we are more closely related than we thought, or oh, we yeah. can yeah, it, each one pretty much be in the other's situation stuff like right. that. G- given the opportunity or putting into the right situation, it literally, you can be like the other person. Yeah, right? and it, I mean, they prove it in the beginning when uh, Adelaide is swapped. All it takes is one event yeah. to ch- change your mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Just like that. One Absolutely. little bit. 15 minutes from walking away from her dad, and then boom, life changed sure. forever. Yep, yep. What about you, Nabil? No, that's exactly. I was just agreeing. Oh, <laughs> um, one thing I want to bring up too: the Jeremiah eleven eleven. The quote there I thought was interesting. A little trivia here, which is yes. a Bible verse. It's therefore thus saith the Lord: Behold, I will bring of evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. So interesting, right? Because yeah. it's hinted at the beginning, some shit's gonna go down. Yep. yep. Because we we see the guy holding the Jeremiah eleven eleven sign. The the casters are talking about eleven eleven for the Giants game, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes eleven eleven. I mean, it's funny because eleven eleven is supposed to be like a lucky number because it's supposed Probably to be like a, you make a wish at that time and it's supposed mm-hmm. to be good. But this one is, I mean, and also it's my birthday. So um, more on dualities. Like, I was like, 11, man, 11. this is getting creepy. It's you know? so meta. Yeah, it's also a twin of itself, right? It's like eleven into eleven, right? So. Mm-hmm. 
kind of a cool little uh trivia there you guys can share with your friends yeah no <laughs> I, I saw that too and he uh, uh one other article said that it's very akin to some movie that's definitely not related but uh watchmen to what rorschach says and the world will look upon me and say save me and i'll look down at them and say no yeah it's kind of uh that quote is almost is was kind of inspired by that yeah Bible it's like verse. you figure it out yourself I was, yep i was like oh, the watchmen. that's pretty deep <laughs> my god are we reviewing the watch <laughs> I mean, uh so overall guys uh closing thoughts on and talk about the Best moment in the film, worst moment for the film, film for you, and we'll close it out that way. Uh, Nabil. Uh, best moment of the film, honestly, was Winston Duke uh, plays Gabe Wilson Abraham. I think the comic relief was great. Um, I think it was funny. I think he, it showed that Lupita Nyong'o was really the one in charge, even though in a lot of these films it's the guy, and he really wasn't um, as much as he tried to be. No. And also, um, I would like to see a spinoff film of him you know, on a boat. And trying to write this, learn how to sell one. I thought he was going to definitely die in the water, <laughs> yeah. by the way. It was, it was very like, much a Joss motif there that I enjoyed very much. He was like, uh-oh. But then he remembers the veers left. I'm like, it goes yeah, in Yeah, it goes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what about the worst part? Uh, worst part, I still think, for me, is the exposition, really. Okay. Uh, I just really kind of killed it for me. I got you. Uh, what about you, Marco? Uh, for me, one of the best parts is the scene where their friends, the, uh, the family... Uh, that Tim Heidecker was in charge of uh, and Elizabeth Elizabeth Moss was uh, part of where they're in their house and uh, they're listening to the Beach Boys in the background and their tethers show up and just completely annihilate them all with the Beach Boys. That's when I noticed, I was like, okay, maybe it's not just one family. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I was like, what the hell's going on? Is it because they know them? It's one one. It's a it's a nice reveal to to see that it's not just one family, like James yeah. said. Right. And another, it's just like the juxtaposition of that of playing like the something shot joyful. Is great though, yeah. It's like all the Beach shot Boys from outside looking in, and you just see them get killed. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I I appreciate stuff like that. I think it's like it's very visually striking, and I enjoy that part a lot. I mean, it's it's freaking gory and stuff, but I just like the visuals of it, and I thought that that was shot pretty well. Worst part, um, I'd have to agree. It's probably the 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 whole monologue yeah. part because I, I was like, oh, which man. is funny. I was it's such a. It's like the worst part, but it leads into such a cool scene afterwards. Yeah. yeah, because I liked how I liked the slow reveals with the flashbacks, and I thought that's how we were going to learn. I was like, oh, it's very different. I like that Jordan Peele. I like we're yeah. going with this, and then he he stops it midway. It exactly, the, the uh, momentum just kind of stops. I almost wonder if maybe he just didn't know how to say, do it correctly, and he was right. like, "Fuck it, just have her say it and be creepy." Yeah, truthfully. True. Maybe you think that people wouldn't have got connected it as easily or something, but it almost could have been deleted from that whole thing, and you just mm. just roll with it, and then just get the reveal at the very end they were swapped, and I think people would have been okay with that. Yeah. What about so, you, James? Um, my favorite part was probably, I mean, all the parts were really cool that you guys mentioned, but I like when the kids go into and like kind of step up their game. Yeah. And for instance, like Jason grabs the rock, and like Zora has the putter. Yeah, and they basically saved their mom. I thought that was a really cool scene because they they kill the two girls too, and and um, I thought it was funny when they're like changing off, like they're kind of mouthing off how many people they killed mm-hmm. in the car. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how count. you get that's how you get seniority. He's like, I killed two people. He's like, I killed myself. Like, yeah, it's funny as hell when uh, uh, fucking Gabe's like, I killed myself and I killed another person. I got two, and I was like, oh okay, that's pretty funny. 
Um, see, the comedy there is good, but that was for good. instance, the comedy when it went too far. Did we need them to do the NWA fuck the police? And that part, I was like, mm, oh, no. probably could have cut it right there because yeah. it kind of took away from the creepiness of that, right? Mm. And turned to a comedic moment. Is that what you, I thought that was what you were talking about? Yep. I was like, mm, that could stop. Uh, I mean, that's probably one of the you know yeah, that's the, probably the worst. car scene too when the when the daughter is driving because that no, was that could have been really creepy. That makes yeah. no sense that she was driving. By the way, no, yeah, I'd be like, get your ass out of the car. Yeah. Why are we why are we complaining and arguing when people and, are after us? Yeah, I would have been like, hey, we'll figure it out in ten minutes. Just get the fuck out of here, right? Seriously, like, let's just keep driving. Why would you go back to your car? By the way, I'd have been like, no, we'll take a left onto the freeway and keep fucking driving. Hell yeah. Same. That bitch can go find me wherever. We'll go up into the fucking real, real quick. Also, just on the, on, the, on the scenes when when the son when Jason is is backing up and killing his tether. I thought that was such a really good scene. That was yeah. cool. That was cool. I was like, oh dang, this is this is but kind then of it like also, creepy. It and also, also gives cool. you okay. So somehow Jason learned how to control him in a way, right. or play like did. a mimicking thing. Why couldn't everybody else do it? Exactly. True. That's one of the other things. See, that's I mean, that's the worst part of the movie for me was the. Suspending disbelief on certain scenes like that, where it was just like, I guess yeah. I just got to roll with, maybe Jason got a connection. I have no idea. I probably thought I was doing a magic trick or something. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I don't know. I don't know, man. But yeah. I was like, did it burn off his fucking ears, too, and his sense of fucking feel? Because there's mm. fire right behind you, homie. <laughs> <laughs> right? I was like, Seriously. how do you not know? that? I was like, I mean, okay, whatever. All right, guys. So that is our review of the movie Us. Great movie. Check it out. It is in theaters now. So yes. once again, guys, thank you for listening. Good job on the feedback. Good job on response to reviews. Uh, Marco, let them know how they can reach us and talk about that giveaway. You guys can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at MoviePalsPod. Again, we are also on Spotify, too, the Movie Pals podcast. So check us out there if you haven't been listening to us on SoundCloud or even on iTunes. Or Google Play. Or Google Play. Also, as James has mentioned, we do appreciate all the feedback, uh, the suggestions for topics of the week. We really enjoyed those, too. We're definitely going to use those for not our next mini episode, but the but our actual next full episode, episode 45. So we'll let you all know which topic we choose. Uh, in the meantime, we are still doing our giveaway for our ginormous... That is right. Ginormous. It's <laughs> a big one. Funko Pop vinyl figurine giveaway. And it is a large Niffler from Fantastic Beats, Beasts and Where to Find Them. But again, in order to win this Niffler, all you have to do is like, share, subscribe, or comment on any of our posts or shares on social media. And you will automatically be entered into a chance to win this super duper big Niffler. So again, keep listening to us, keep liking us, keep sharing us. We appreciate you all. It really means everything to us from the bottom of our hearts. So thank you. So stay tuned, guys. We're going to do something a little different here. We're going to be doing a bonus episode, a somewhat maybe you might call an expansion back to the normal episodes. Some DLC right here. Some uh, DLC, yep. Of uh, we're gonna be doing it soon too. You're gonna hear about it. We're gonna be reviewing the new DC film Shazam. All right, guys. Until next time, this is James and Marco and Nabil. Have a good one. <laughs>